Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The I Am Rappaport Stereo, Stereo Podcast, Live. You're down with Rappaport? Yes, I am. 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 You better tune in, IamRappaport.com. Because every single podcast, you know he drops bombs. I seen him on set, a seasoned vet with true talent. Catch him on his way to CrossFit, rocking the new balance. He asked me to do the track because he know I rhyme elite. But I'm just waiting for the Robert De Niro line of the week. Breakfast of champions, toasted bagel, cream cheese, and locks. This is I Am Rappaport. The show never stops. We might catch him out in public, stretching his knees. But if you don't listen to the show, yo, wiggle, please. Wiggle, please. This is the I Podcast. What's up? This is Michael Rappaport. You are now listening to a brand new I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Today, we are deep diving and remembering uh, somebody I was a fan of, somebody I got to work with, and somebody who became a friend. Uh, John Singleton, the director of Boys in the Hood, and so much more has passed. I'm going to tell you uh, all my stories and opinions and thoughts on getting to know him, getting to know him as a fan, uh, and inevitably working with him on higher learning and, uh, you know, my mini part on poetic justice, plus 
Uh, we're going to break down, shocking, Avengers, the final call. I think that's what it's called. You know I don't fuck with these movies, so he brought in the resident I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast Marvel Movie Film Critic Plus. We're talking Rockets. We're talking Warriors. We're talking Celtics. We're talking Celtics. We're talking Bucks. We're talking Raptors. We're talking 76ers. We are talking Denver Nuggets, and we are talking Dame Dollar and the Trailblazers. NBA playoffs are here, and they are fantastic. All that and more on a really good, big body, banging, brand new I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Miles, Jordan, let me get something real nice. Yes. Something real proper. You know what I mean. It's something real funky. Let's go. This is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Gringo Man Dingo, a.k.a. the White Chocolatito, a.k.a. White Mike, a.k.a. Mr. New York, a.k.a. Mr. A.k.a. Um, be honest. Be honest with the listeners today. It's been a tough day, um, but the podcast must go on as usual. Um, but if I'm going to be totally honest with all you guys, this is a tough uh, day um, because of the passing of John Singleton, um, who passed today, <sighs> earlier today, and he's been, you know, struggling and fighting for about a week or so now. Um, but it was a real blow. Uh, for me, as a fan first, and then somebody who I worked with, and inevitably someone who became a friend, uh, to really sort of wrap my head around that. Um, and uh, later on in the episode, we're going to talk about the Avengers. Now, you know that I don't fuck with Marvel movies. I don't fuck with comic book movies. I don't fuck with DC. I don't fuck with Game of Thrones. Um, but we are bringing in special Avengers Marvel movie correspondent and one of the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast infamous Dust Brothers from the Dust Brothers production, Miles Davis and Jordan Winter. Uh, Jordan Winter who, uh, as it turns out, and I didn't know this about him until a couple of days ago, is an Avengers Marvel comic, Marvel movie nerd. A fucking nerd. I called him on Friday while he uh, uh, was in the movie theater. He said, I'm in the movie theater watching Avengers. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. He, like, snapped at me. It's like, dude, don't, don't answer the phone, dude. Um, and then when he got out, he just went on and on and on and on. He was like, I know, Dingo, you don't like these movies, but I got to tell you, it, it was a cinematic experience and it was a cultural experience. He's going on and on. And I'm like, bro, I don't give a fuck about what you're talking about, but you're so passionate and so enthusiastic about these films and why they're good and what they mean to you and the cinematic experience you went and had seen the final Avengers movie, or, or so they say, the final of because because I, I, listen, it doesn't seem like it's ever going to stop. These are billion, literally billion dollar 
of films. This is a billion dollar industry, these Marvel and DC films. So later on in the show, um, Jordan Winter, uh, aka one of the Dust Brothers, you know, I used to go, Miles, Jordan, give me something real nice, real proper. That Jordan is coming on the show to uh, speak on the Avengers final chapter um, and break that down, his whole experience, why it's good, his takeaways, very thorough, very detailed. I mean, very enthusiastic with no spoilers. We will not be doing any spoilers. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, you fuck. Shady McCoy, the running back, he went on Twitter and gave all sorts of spoilers after he saw the movie. I don't give a fuck about these movies, but imagine you go to see Creed 2 and you get spoilers. Fuck you, LaShawn McCoy, you selfish cocksucker, you. Um, so we're not going to have any spoilers, so do not worry. No spoilers will be given. Uh, we're also going to talk about, of course, the NBA playoffs and um, some other things. Um, listen, it was I had a bunch of stuff. I'm going to see how, how I'm feeling, but I this was a tough day um, for me um, with the John Singleton passing um, because his passing obviously made me sad for him and his family and his daughters. Um, but it also made me sad for me and it really conjured up a lot of memories of my fandom of first, uh, when I saw boys in the hood in 1991 and it was a phenomenon that was when smaller movies would be phenomenons. And, and some of those are obviously Spike Lee. She's got to have it. Um, John Singleton's boys in the hood, uh, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. This is when smaller movies would get made and they would supersede all your expectations. Sex, Lies, and Videotapes uh, was another small indie movie that went really big at the time, um, directed by Steven Soderbergh, her, his first film. But when Boys in the Hood came out, it was a fucking blockbuster. Um... And I just wanted to talk to you about that and, and talk to you about uh, then meeting him and then talk to you about working with him and just really some of the stuff I might have tipped on in other podcasts, but I just wanted to give you the full John Singleton because it's so fresh in my head and and I, there's so many great stories and anecdotes and about that time. You know, I saw Boys in the Hood in the theater like everybody else. I heard about it um, before I saw it. You know, it had gotten so much excitement. It was at the Cannes Film Festival. I remember seeing this picture of John Singleton and Ice Cube at the Cannes Film Festival in France. And I was like, how the fuck did Ice Cube get to Cannes? Like, what the fuck? Because obviously Ice Cube at the time was like this, he was like this sort of mystery bad guy. You didn't know anything about him. There was no social media. You know, he had left the NWA and, and all this stuff. Um, and, and you just didn't see black people at the Cannes Film Festival. That's just the truth. There was no black filmmakers. It was Spike Lee and then literally John Singleton. Um, and then I saw the film and like everybody else, I was blown away. It was like an entire new world. Obviously, Colors had come out a few years before and Colors has some, some great moments. It's not a great film. It has some insight into that world. But Boys in the Hood brought this cinematic uh, reality about this group of kids and their family and really what life was like for some people growing up in South Central. And obviously uh, the performances were star-making. 
I mean, Cuba Gooding, Cuba Gooding Jr., star. He never stopped working after Boys in the Hood. Beginning, middle, and end. He, he was launched in Boys in the Hood. Morris Chestnut launched Boys in the Hood. Nia Long, beautiful, great, iconic actress. Nia Long launched by Boys in the Hood. Lawrence Fishburne. Let, let us not forget, Lawrence Fishburne was in Apocalypse Now. He had, uh, was in Cornbread, Earl and Me um, as a kid actor. And when he was doing, uh, before he had done Boys in the Hood, he did King of New York. He had a good part in King of New York. He was on Pee Wee's Big Playhouse. He was on Pee Wee Herman's TV show. No disrespect to Pee Wee Herman, but one of the great actors of our time now, Lawrence Fishburne, Larry Fishburne at the time. He was just Larry Fishburne, uh, but went on to uh, uh, Academy Award nominations and, and is literally considered one of the great actors of his generation uh, with the uh, John Malkoviches, the Samuel Jacksons, the John Turturros, the Sean Penns, the Denzels. He's in that category of weight. He needs no introduction. But before Boys in the Hood, he was on a Pee Wee Herman TV show doing some rinky-dinky shit. John Singleton understood his talent. He wrote the part of Furious Styles, Cuba Gooding's character, uh, his father, for Lawrence Fishburne by uh, pure uh, diligence, pure uh, uh, gut, uh, pure strength, pure persistence, pure talent, and just a guy who was meant to be a filmmaker. He was able to get Lawrence Fishburne in the film. Again, and it wasn't that big of an accomplishment because Fishburne wasn't Fishburne that we know now. Um, Ice Cube in the film. One of the first times. I mean, he was so good in that film. And it was one of the... There had been other rappers that had been in other films. Uh, Colors had Ice-T. I believe Ice-T was in that. Um, he was definitely in New Jack City. But the way John Singleton used Ice Cube was perfection to play the part of Doughboy. And he had him be tough. He had him be hood. But he also had him be very human and ultimately very vulnerable uh, when he articulated one of the most iconic lines in cinema history. If you look at top 100 quotes in films, the line that Ice Cube says uh, to Cuba Gooding, and he says, you know, they don't know don't show or don't care about what's going on in the hood. Matter of fact, Miles, please play that clip, that scene, uh, a little bit longer than that line, but play that line. It gives you chills every time you see it. I've been up this early in a long time. Turned on the TV this morning. Had this shit on about about living in a violent, a violent world. Showed all these foreign places. Foreigners living on. Started thinking, man. Either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood. Regina King, she was on 227. That character that she played, um, that hoochie, dookie braid, attitude uh, uh, girl, never been on screen before. 
he introduced that. That that character, that girl that is so common, attitude, black girl, hood, gum smacking, uh, chick. That was John Singleton. That was Boys in the Hood. That was Regina King. Um, and the way he used rappers in his films throughout the years, Poetic Justice, uh, Q-Tip is in the opening scene. I believe at one point he was talking about having Q-Tip play the, John, uh, the Tupac role, but he loved rappers and he saw them as actors and he saw them and he got them as stars. He didn't treat them like rappers. Busta Rhymes in Higher Learning, Snoop Dogg in Baby Boy, um, and so forth and so on. And I, I want to stay on uh, Boys in the Hood, but Boys in the Hood was a phenomenon. It got no He got nominated for Best Director, um, and you know there was a lot of talk that Ice Cube should have gotten nominated. There was a lot of talk that Cuba Gooding should have gotten nominated. There was a lot of talk that Morris Chestnut. They didn't get nominated, um, but it was... It was a big fucking deal at that Academy Awards to have Boys in the Hood be represented. It's a hood movie with Ice Cube uh, that was told honestly and cinematically, and it was a fucking game changer. Um, and I got to meet John uh, about a year and some change after Boys in the Hood came out. He had seen Zebrahead, and I met him. I hadn't done anything. I had done. I hadn't done True Romance yet. Um, uh, I, I, the first AD was a black first AD, which is another thing that John Singleton, he was big on having black crew members, big on having, uh, black ADs, black set people. And at the time there, it wasn't common again, him and Spike were big on this and they were, they had big mouths about it and, and they were very, uh, passionate about having a more multicultural sets. And the first AD from Zebrahead was the first AD from Boys in the Hood and, um, and he was also the, the first AD from Poetic Justice. And I got to meet John when he was casting Poetic Justice. He had seen Zebrahead. I was flipping out that I was meeting John Singleton because he was a star director. He was all over uh, the press. And, you know, he, he, he was just such a big push for him. And I swear to God, he was like, you know, I'm a fan. I saw your movie. You're really good. You know, we talked. And, and you know, there was he said, there's nothing for you in this film. I don't have any parts. He goes, there's one mailman but it's not even a, a good part it's not a good enough part for you i would love to work with you someday uh you know and do something great something that you know that you could sink your teeth in and i was like i'll do anything i literally said that i'll do anything in i'll do craft service i'll do anything he said really man let, let, let me think about it let me think about it it was nothing part the part was written as two or three lines it doesn't have a name the part's name is the mailman um and it's in silhouette the, the scene is shot in silhouette you hear my voice before you see me it's over before you fucking realize that it's me the gringo man dingle aka michael rapaport um but there was so much excitement about poetic justice there was so much excitement about tupac there was so much excitement about janet jackson who at the time was popping and she was at her apex she was at the she was the queen there was no beyonce she was the queen of r&b she was you know she was she was popping um, and, and I got a call from my agent a couple of days later. It's like, John wants you to be in this little part. I was like, where and when, where and when I'm down, I want to be in it. I was thrilled. I was honored. I was like, I made, it. I didn't give a fuck that there was no lines. I'm working with John Singleton and poetic justice. And I have, you know, two line exchange with Tupac. Um, and, and that day I got to the set and I still have the call sheet. I actually still have the call sheet, uh, from that day. 
you know, working with Tupac was exciting. It wasn't very eventful. We didn't have like some big exchange. It was boom, 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 boom. He was tripping out over my enthusiasm about doing a small part. I, I remember him. He was like, damn, you're like, he said that. I, I literally remember him saying that, like, you know, you're coming on to try to steal the scene, but not in a dis disrespectful way or dissing me. He was just like, you're going for it. I was like, yeah, I'm going for it. You know, he, for him, it was just a tiny little scene to get to another scene in this big movie where he's working every single day. But I was like, fuck, I was a fucking kid in the candy store. And my best story about working on Poetic Justice, if you could even call it working on it, because it was truly a bit part. It's the smallest part I've ever had in a movie. Okay, and I had already done Zebrahead. I starred in a movie and I had done a bigger part in another movie called, I can't remember. I'm all fucked up today. Um, but I was that excited about doing it. But the, the coolest part about working on Poetic Justice was the... The table read and the rap party. The table read where the entire cast shows up to read and the entire cast being Tupac, fucking Joe Torrey, Regina King, Janet Jackson, and, and, and there's dope people in Poetic Justice. Rewatch Poetic Justice. It's a fucking really good movie with a lot of heart and Tupac kills it. Regina King kills it. There's a lot of dope shit about that movie. It didn't live up to the expectations and the hype of Boys in the Hood, but nothing could have. Nothing could have, but it was a good movie. It was received well. It was a box office success. Um, but the table read, I literally, God is my witness, was the first person to show up there. I got there. I got in this big room, I believe at the Sony lot. I, I was the first one there. I was so fucking excited. And they have place cards for everybody, like everybody's name. So it had Janet Jackson, Tupac, Regina King, Joe Torre, this one, that one, this one. And mine's at the very end of the table. I'm at the totally other end with like all the other small parts. I moved my fucking card to the other end because I was like, I want to be at the cool table. I want to be next to Janet Jackson. I want to fucking smell Janet Jackson. And uh, I remember Q-Tip, who is in Poetic Justice, like I said, he wasn't available uh, to be at that reading because this is when Tribe Cold Quest was banging, banging, popping, popping. Um, and they were, the reading was there and Janet came and Tupac came and it was like a fucking party. It had lasted like two and a half hours and there was food and people were laughing and everybody was laughing at all the, the scenes. And it was like, yo, I'm a part of something special. I'm, I'm a part of, uh, uh something that people are going to remember. I'm a part of uh, something that is significant, um, and, and I, you know, uh, at the, at the end I got invited to the rap party, which was in the hood. And I went down there. I probably was the first motherfucker there. And I've told this story before. Um, at the Poetic Justice rap party, um, and Ice Cube was there, and Tupac was there, and Regina King was there, and, and a bunch of other people were there. But I got to meet Snoop Doggy Dog for the first time. Snoop had just come out. Um, Doggy Style hadn't come out. I, I'm not sure if the Chronic had come out, but Deep Cover was out. And Snoop Dogg was it. And he was hood as fuck. And I'll just repeat the story one more time. I went up to him. He knew who I was. And I was like, yo, I'm a big fan. I fuck with you. I love your shit. And he was like, you from New York, right? And I said, yeah, we fucking love you in New York. And he said, they like me in New York. They know about me in New York. I said, fuck yeah. And he said, I've never been there. I haven't been there yet. And I remember being like, oh, shit. And then a few minutes later... Um, Tupac and his little crew uh, started rhyming on the mic and then Snoop Dogg and his little crew started rhyming on the mic and uh, they were like, you know, battling. It, was, it wasn't it was like fight tense, but it was like 
I know who you are. You know who am I? Who I am? Let's get on this mic and let's let's battle it out. And and it wasn't like there was a winner and loser, but they were going back and forth. And I watched Tupac. I saw it with my own eyes. I watched Tupac meet Snoop Dogg at the Poetic Justice rap party. And then when I was on Snoop Dogg's GGN, you could hear the rest of the story. That was the first night that Snoop Dogg ever smoked a blunt was the night that he met Tupac at the Poetic Justice rap party. And I was right fucking there. And then I took this picture, which has been posted a lot, and I posted it again. And, I, and it was going to be just Ice Cube, John Singleton, and Tupac. And I kind of squeezed my way into it. And John was like, get in here, Mike. Get in here. And I'm in that picture. And, I, I, and I've, been, I've been photographed and gotten my picture taken for years. But I remember being like, yo, you got to get in at least one snap of, of these pictures. Because, yo, it's Tupac, John Singleton, and Ice Cube. And that picture of, of the four of us is at the Poetic Justice Rap Party. And again, I remember feeling like, yo, this is, this is going to go down in history. I swear I remember feeling like that. You got to be in this picture. And sure enough, you know, that picture has resurfaced. And what a fucking cool night. What a cool memory. And I remember uh, uh, just Tupac dancing with everybody. Friendly. Dancing with Regina King. Uh, uh, dancing with just everybody. It was just so friendly and cool and excited. And it was just such an exciting time. And then I, I wind up um, working with John on higher learning. And and I talked about this before, um, but I'm going to talk about it again because it's important to me and it's important to remember this guy. Um, the original cast of higher learning was Tupac in the Omar Epps part as Malik. Leonardo DiCaprio was going to play my part of Remy, Leonardo fucking DiCaprio. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was going to play the Jennifer Conley part. I remember going out to dinner, me, Gwyneth Paltrow, and John Singleton. Um, and inevitably, Gwyneth Paltrow uh, pulled out, I think she got the movie Seven, and her dates were fucked up, and then Leonardo uh, dropped out. And, and I, I started campaigning straight the fuck up. I started campaigning. This is before email. This is before text. Uh, I called John. I was like, yo, you know, I heard Leonardo's out. And I, I, I think I could play Remini. He was like, really? You think you could do it? And I was like, yeah, I could do it. He's asking me about my New York accent. I said, I'll lose it. I'll lose it. He was like, all right, let me think about it. Let me think about it. Um, and then during that casting process, Tupac um, had been getting into so much trouble. And it came down that he couldn't get the movie financed or couldn't get insurance. You know, films have insurance and the studio Sony pictures wouldn't insure the film with Tupac in it because he had gotten arrested. And I don't know the dates and the time of all this. Um, then he cast Omar Epps and I kept staying on him. I want to play, I want to play Remy. I want to play Remy. And he said, come in and um, read for me, come in and read lines for me. So I went in and I auditioned for John tore it up. And then a few days later, he would call me. Like, we would speak on the phone. Um, he he said, you know, come in and read. I'm going to have Ice Cube come down. Come in and read. You got to talk that shit to Ice Cube. And what he meant by talk that shit to Ice Cube was all that racial shit that, that we were doing in the movie, all that Remy stuff, all N-word this, and, you know, all that crazy shit that's in higher learning. He was like, do that in front of Ice Cube. And this is when Ice Cube was not, like, family-friendly Ice Cube. This is Ice Cube, like, fucking, you know... America's Most Wanted, uh, you know, Ice Cube, NWA Ice Cube. Like, you're like, what the fuck? It's Ice Cube. Like, you know, he's a little pudgy Ice Cube. 
And I went down to Sony and I, I read all the scenes with Ice Cube and we improv and Ice Cube read Omar Epps' part because that part hadn't been cast. They fucking didn't cast the part. So Ice Cube read that and he was like, do this, do that, do that stuff you were doing. He was basically saying, call Ice Cube a fucking, you know, a this and a that. And I was like, yo, this is my chance. This is my opportunity to really become an actor, to really play a part that's different from me. This is what every young actor dreams of. And, and I did it. I went full fucking tilt. And I remember John laughing. He always thought that racial shit that I was doing was so funny. He would laugh and he would like giggle and he would like literally applaud. He'd be like, oh shit, like that. He would clap. And um, Cube, not so much. He didn't laugh at it so much. He, he was intimidating. It was like fucking Ice Cube. Um, and he had the little fro, the fro that he wound up uh, having in higher learning. Because remember, he went through that little fro period. Um, and then um, he cast me. And then I helped him recast the part that I was going to play. And all sorts of people came in and read for that part. And inevitably, Cole Hauser uh, got the part. And we shot higher learning. And it was a fucking thrill. Busta Rhymes was on the set. Ice Cube, Regina King, Omar Epps, um, John Singleton was directing me. I mean, I couldn't fucking believe it. I was like, I made it. I literally felt like I fucking, like I made it. Like, this is it, and I'm playing this fucking character. I'm a real actor doing a real part that's really not like me. This is nothing like me, and I had prepared. We had a few months to prepare, and I'm reading Mein Kampf and watching these fucking KKK documentaries, and... um. It was just an awesome experience. I talked a lot about it uh, when Omar Epps was on the I Am Rap Poor Stereo podcast. You could listen to the Omar Epps I Am Rap Poor Stereo podcast. It's dope. And I'll tell you a story. When when we did that scene where I pulled the gun out on Omar Epps, that was one of the first scenes that I shot. It was certainly the first scene where my character uh, was saying racist stuff. Um, it may not have been my first scene that I shot shot, but it was definitely, I remember the first scene, it was in the dorm room, which we shot at UCLA, even though John Singleton went to USC. I remember that was a whole little minor controversy. And we started doing that scene and we started um, shooting that scene. And uh, when uh, I pulled the gun out on Omar Epps and I start calling him Malik and most of the stuff wound up in the film and some of it did it. And I'm going off the script and I'm riffing and I'm saying you N-word this, you this, that, and the other. And we're go I'm going off. Like I had been preparing to do this scene and to do this part uh, for months. And I was focused on this scene. It's a key scene and it's a key part. And I was fucking, I was ready to rock. And I, and I did the first take and I fucking let Omar have it. I was saying wild shit. Cut. I mean, it was silent. And then John Singleton was like this, clapping. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Clapping for me. Came, hugged me, gave me five. And it was just on and popping. Like, I, I felt so confident. I was so proud of myself. And I was so just excited to be a part of it. And excited to work with a filmmaker that was so excited to have me there and I felt like I would run through a fucking wall for him and we would do it again and do it again and the whole filming and the whole uh, shoot of that film was just 
It was like that. And he was so enthusiastic with all the actors. He loved his actors. He loved his DP. I mean, I used to go to his house. I mean, listen, Raging Bull, probably one of the only people who would sit and watch Raging Bull and break it down beat for beat or with me anytime, any place. But he loved all film. He loved uh, animation. He loved kids' films. He studied film. He loved uh, foreign films. He loved Steven Spielberg. He loved film. He loved actors. He loved music. He loved art. And he loved, most importantly, the artist. I mean, when you were on his set and you were kicking ass for him, he was literally, he he applauded me. He would applaud. I never had a director do that, applaud on set. And you literally felt like, yo, we could keep going all night. Because he made you feel so excited to be there and, and, and so confident. And he would give you direction and try this, try that. And he just, you know, at that young age and being so new to acting and having this opportunity to work with someone who I was so hyped to work with and who just had gotten an Oscar nomination for Best Director and to give me a New York... I was this... I, yo, you think I talk that New York shit now? When I was 23, 24, when we did Higher Learning, I was... Yo, I'm Mr. New York now. I was on some other shit. For him to give me that opportunity, for him to believe in me, and for him to give me that shot, and and to remain in my life, you know, like that dude was 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 a a guy who he would check in on you. Yo, what's up, Mike? Out of nowhere, how you doing? You know, he he was so supportive of me directing and me doing the Tribe Called Quest movie. And when are you going to direct again? You have to direct again. When are you going to direct again? And when I saw him a few weeks ago, I saw him with the young shooter. He came to see me do comedy. Tell me about my comedy. Laugh. And you got to do this. You got to do that. You can't. I did some Michael Jackson jokes. He was like, nah, people aren't ready for Michael Jackson jokes yet. Because I was talking about Michael Jackson shit. But he just, you know, do this. And people love you. And just so enthusiastic. And made you feel so fucking good about yourself. And so confident. And and when are you going to direct again? Come see me on the set. He's on the uh, talking about the going into season three of the, of the show on FX Snowfall. And... Ah oh, man, just a good dude, you know, just a good dude, and uh, I'm sorry to ramble on about it, and I wanted to talk about all this other stuff, and we could talk about it at the other podcast later this week, um, but what a good dude, um, and later this week, we, we got Bun B in the house, the triple OG, trill OG, the guy, yo, one of the reasons why the word trill should probably be in the dictionary, and Static Selector, they're talking about... The new record, Trill Static, which I love. Uh, Bun talks about working with Jay-Z, what that was like. Uh, working with Method Man, what that process was like. And just dope-ass stories. You know, he campaigned sort of for Bernie Sanders. He covered the Republican Party in the 2016 election. Dope hip-hop stories from him and Static Selector. Working with Sean Price. Uh, working with Nas. And it's just a hip-hop lover's dream. Um... And I'll be back to talking shit and ranting. I hope, uh, I hope it's not disappointing. I it's just been a fucking a tough loss uh, and a tough day to hear that. And and when you when you find out about someone who's just fifty one and just such a good dude, and and when you when I think back on my life as a actor, my adult life and my professional life, this dude gave me the opportunity of uh, a lifetime and the opportunity of a career. And um, it just conjured up a lot of feelings and a lot of memories. And, um, you know, rewatch Boys in the Hood, rewatch Poetic Justice, rewatch Baby Boy. He he broke Taraji. And um, 
you know, that's it. I, I, I'm going to shut it down. Uh, we got Jordan uh, coming in a minute. Uh, the resident Avengers uh, Marvel Comics nerd breaks down, loves the movie. Uh, I'm going to see how many thumbs up he's going to give it. And uh, I'm going to talk some NBA playoffs. Uh, Miles, let me get a little something real nice here, something real proper to take a little quick breather, a little breath. I hope this isn't too emotional. Uh, and then we'll get into the uh, review of Avengers and Game 1s of the second round series so far, which have been great. And I need James Harden to stop that flop. And stay with me. I'll be right back. All right. So as I said earlier... Um, resident Avengers Marvel comic film critic uh, Jordan Winter of the Dust Brothers, Dust Brothers Production, is going to join me now to discuss his experience, his history, his fandom with the Avengers films. As you know, I don't fuck with these movies. I believe I saw Iron Man with my kids when it first came out and I know for sure I fell asleep during the movie. No disrespect to uh, Robert Downey Jr. or any of the great actors and filmmakers that have been a part of, of any of these Marvel and DC films. I don't fuck with it. Uh, but I spoke to Jordan Winter who went day one uh, uh, to see Avengers and he wouldn't shut up. He wouldn't stop. He was going on and on and on. And I said, you know what? We need to represent the Avengers. I can't do it because, like I said, I don't fuck with these films. So, uh, 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 Mr. Winter, um, first, how was the Avengers? What is it? Avengers finale? Avengers dead end? What is it? Pleasure to be here. Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Now, you, you, were, you just wouldn't stop. You were going on and on and on. What's so good about the movie? What did you love about the movie? What you you I mean you talked about it as not just being a great movie. It was a great cinematic experience, cultural experience. And after you went on and on about this, I saw on Twitter other people were saying the similar type of things. It wasn't just a great movie. It was a whole sort of experience. Speak on it. Absolutely. This was a very special experience that I had to go see it day 1 which was the Friday. I didn't go for the pre-screenings. I went Friday afternoon, and I had to go because these hoes ain't loyal out here on Twitter. The snitches. Oh, LaShawn are, McCoy. Oh, man. I didn't even see LaShawn McCoy because I straight up abandoned all of my social media Did responsibilities. Did you really? Because you started hearing about people I, giving away the, the, the film? I knew I had to do it because I started seeing people who I respect and admire and follow on social media who went to the premiere that's fucked up that we started talking about it giving that's their some whack ass shit i mean you could give your opinion the premiere was great i don't have a problem with that but when you start giving away uh anecdotes from the movie you're on some bullshit it is the type of thing that for me last year i went to the same theater and saw avengers infinity war and i saw it not on the friday on the saturday and word hadn't gotten out about it, even though it was a huge opening experience, the movie, the box office was the all-time greatest for Avengers Infinity War, but was smashed by Endgame. I want to talk a little bit about that, too. <laughs> but, you know, 
I was seeing a lot of discussion and I know I'm the type of person I don't really care for film critics. So for us, for our purposes, I am the non-fact checking film critic who does not care for film critics. Mm-hmm. My mother loves film critics uh-huh. and she'll always try to tell me about her favorite film critics and what they thought about the movie. Uh-huh. I say I need to have my own opinions. Right, I get it. And my own thoughts and my own experiences. And that comes from me as a pure fan of cinema. And I want to preface this to all the fans out there because, you know, I've seen a lot of articles and a lot of YouTube videos and such. I am coming at this from someone who has seen all the movies and has read... The Avengers movies. The Avengers movies. Every Marvel movie that's been created. You're a fan. I'm a fan, but I have not read a single word of the comic books. Okay. I'm not one of these type of people who is looking at this like, oh, this character, they've only been in this movie in and this in way. This, in this episode of the comic book, in this chat. Right. You're just a fan of the movies, but you're hard body karate. Hard body. I've seen every single one of these movies in theaters and have seen them at least two other times at home. Some other, sometimes, oh, Jesus you know, I didn't know this about you. I love I'm judging the, you. I love these movies. And listen, this is just the box that I've been put into. I, but I, I know I'm in the minority. So when, I, I, when I'm judging you, I know that I'm judging myself. Because I know there's tons of fans out there that not only watch Avengers, they watch Game of Thrones. You, we know where I stand on this. So let's just get to this. What is your takeaway on Avengers? What is it? Avengers Endgame, Dingo. Yes, Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame, and please refer to it as Avengers Endgame. Okay, you can't just say Avengers. No, no, no. Because there is a there is an Avengers film. Gotcha. The thing that, that really... Do you get offended when I just say Avengers? A little bit. Okay. I'm a little offended, okay. but that's okay. And just know hashtag Avengers Endgame, hashtag Avengers Endgame, no spoilers. So Got you. I'm very much not going to spoil. I'm not this. with that either. I am going to speak. Oh, in, you're not giving spoilers. I'm not giving spoilers. Okay. Because come on, what if you worked over the weekend? Yes. I know people who were, and also don't even get me started on the Game of Thrones snitches out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah. and I'm not someone who really has seen a ton of the Game of Thrones, but I've seen enough that I know what's going on. And I did watch last yes. night, but like immediately. After the, I don't get the, why people want to do that. The ending on the East Coast, there's memes going up and videos. It's yeah, like you know what happened with me in Game of Thrones last night. I was trying to go to sleep. My wife was watching that fucking shit, and I had a pillow on my one side of my head, and then covering my head with the other side of the pillow, and I still couldn't sleep through the fucking. I don't know what it was. Lightning, thunder, vibrations. It's just I was just like, why would anyone watch Darkness. this loud fucking shit? It was so dark. They, it was, the Whatever whole- the fuck it is, man, it kept me fucking up. It extended my my tossing and turning forty five minutes. And so for me, who went to go see Avengers Endgame, day one screening one-ish because okay. I got there and people... Right, you I, were there day early. I was there early. I, I made sure that all responsibilities were taken care of and you even called me during the movie. I know. I, <laughs> you, 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 you you hit me back, y'all made Avengers. Like, you don't even have to say y'all made Avengers. Don't, <laughs> just don't pick up the phone, but go ahead. <laughs> so, I had to see it then and I think that this is going to be the type of movie that people will be seeing multiple times in theaters I know I will be seeing it again in theaters and for me I got to see it in a sold out screening which was phenomenal people cheering people screaming the way that movies were meant to be made and you say you look at me and you say like oh like I'm judging you this is how 
I've been made. What do you mean? Look at how films are being being put out today. And yes. you've spoken on this before. And myself, I am a student of cinema. Mm -hmm. I went to film school in New York, which I would have classes where I was legitimately just watching movies. Right. All the time. Big movies, small movies, major productions and major studios. And the way that things are, are going now is that these studios aren't going to be investing in films unless they have a proven track record of fan base, whether it's based on an original book or uh, it's based on a, a comic or a graphic novel. Rarely do these these producers, directors, writers get a chance unless there's someone special and they just had a hit. Yeah, they call it the mid-range films. It's It used to be small budget Mid-range mid budget, 20 to $25 million, and then the big budgets. Now it's just big budgets. And, and they'll acquire a small film here and there, but the majority of the studios, they don't make small films. They might, uh, like an independent company might make one, and then they might buy it, and then they might distribute it, but they don't finance them the way they used to. There's no, there's no market for it. And it's very bizarre, especially for me being such a huge fan of comedy films, because it, you, some of my favorite films from growing up, they were made in the 10 to 15 or even $8 million range. Mm -hmm. They don't really make those movies anymore, So, but they'll make like a $40 million comedy, but they would prefer for these Marvel movies to make... One two hundred million dollar movie than twenty ten million. Right, they movies. want to make one two hundred million dollar movie than than ten twenty million. That's a good point. Right. So these films, I love them because they are just complete and utter spectacles. There's no stone left unturned, which is a little bit of a pun because the movie is based on the six infinity stones of power. So that's that's a little inside joke for the fans out there. Some of the fans got that. Yes. And some of the fans are like, what are you talking about? Exactly. But now, now, who's the star of this movie? There are so many stars of this movie. They're and also, all in it? So basically, here are, the, here are the people that are involved in the movie, and this is not spoiler alert. This no is, spoilers. This is, this is just... We're not fucking spoiling no. the movie for you. And <clears> also, <throat> and these are the type of actors that on their own are... A-listers and could carry other films. And there's even actors who were in... Even though I've seen all the movies, there's one actor who I was like, I had no idea that they were in this movie. I Just because she's in just full costume the whole time. And I'm actually a fan of hers, but I, I didn't know it was her. No spoiler alert. Okay, no. These are no spoiler alerts. This is These are all the, the people that you can tell. And, and also, I'm glad that I saw it when I saw it because if you even look at the commercials, the 15-second commercials, 30-second commercials that are running throughout the NBA playoffs, you you're, you could pick up on things. You could be like, mm. oh, there's a battle going on here and this, this character talks to this character. Mm. I'm not with all that. Just, okay. Just put up 15 seconds... Go see Avengers Endgame. It made $1.2 billion. Is that how much it made? $1.2 billion in the box office. It's the biggest domestic ever in the U.S. $360 million. And guess what? It almost made that much in China. $330 million. These movies are hard body karate. This has been going on since 2007. There's 22 films in this. They made 22 films? 22 of these films, which it's, you know, it's a little. Wow. But they've made more of these Marvel, but 22 that they put into this, like, MCU, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe bubble. Jesus. They don't they don't include, like, the Venoms or some of the early Spider-Mans. It's weird how they, like, 
categorize it? Because I've seen all of them. I've seen every single one, but they talk about the ones that are that are in these this little junk, and I'll get into that. But here are the actors that, like, right off the bat, and big stars that you could be excited about as just a fan of cinema right. that I would love by the end of this, I could convince you to go see this movie okay. in theaters. So, like you said, Robert Downey Jr., Jeremy Renner, Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Brie Larson, Paul Rudd, Mark Ruffalo, Don Cheadle, Karen Gillian, that's who I was talking about, the person I didn't know. She's in, been in probably half a dozen of these movies. She plays the blue robot Nebula. No idea it was her. And if you guys are trying to visualize who this person is, if you've seen Jumanji, the movie with The Rock and Kevin Hart, she's right. the girl. There was a little bit of a controversy because she had the midriff. Fantastic actress. You're going to see her all over oh, in there's action fucking movies. controversies about and everything. There's going to be another Jumanji there's movie. There's going to be controversy in. about you being the resident Avengers film critic. Good. I welcome it, and I'd love to speak with any. You're you you feel confident to debate anybody? I've with seen this. all the movies so many times, and I see it from such a such a different lens. And I really, I'm I'm young. I'm excitable. I'm ready to talk to anyone about this at any time. Also, some characters, and even though you know it's it's a raccoon. Or it's they not got even, raccoons. It's in a shit? raccoon. Like it looks like a raccoon, but it's really a genetically engineered raccoon lookalike from space, voiced by Bradley Cooper. You know, that's this is in the fucking movie. <laughs> this is in the movie. Holy fucking so, shit! And then also someone who's relatively new to the space, but you know, looks like is going to be in it for the long haul is Tessa Thompson. Whoa, 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 whoa. What long haul? I thought it was the end game. Well, she was just... <laughs> I, 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 when does it end? I, is no, there's more of this shit? She... Because I gotta have to fucking... If they're gonna keep going, I'm gonna have to fucking change my tune and get it, get in one of these motherfuckers. I actually have the film that you need to get in. I already know which film. Do you know a part? I don't know the part because I'm not very established with the comic books, but I, it's actually one of, if not my favorite of the, not the Avengers movies, but a side character. And actually I know for a fact. So that, you're not saying, so you're saying I shouldn't go for a lead. We're just going to just be happy to be in and get a side character. You, I think you, well, who knows? Maybe the character that they put you they spawn in. They spawn him off. Exactly. Maybe he's got a spin-off. Okay. Maybe he's got a, a role that's growing. But the, the movie that I think, or the franchise that you should be involved with is Doctor Strange. I could see you involved in Doctor Strange. That's the Benedict Cumberbatch okay. movie. And I know for a fact that the director fucks with you hard body karate. All right. I've seen, All right. I got to cut this shit out. Scott Derrickson. He, okay. has, he has liked and commented and tweeted at you and i've okay, said that to okay. you in the past and you were like ah, i don't i don't even know who okay, you're talking okay. about okay i gotta stop playing games with these people so Dr. these fuckers are like oh this is my last avengers movie like i'm like they're like i've made so much money i'm just gonna step away from it it is a little strange because there is more films to come and that's not a secret so is jason momoa in this or is that dc that's dc and that's a whole other same thing but different yes it's like another league it's like if there's two nfls yes it's now is dc is or like if you're a marvel person can you fuck with dc and what is generally more respected because i literally have no idea marvel and dc you can be fans of both and I think that Marvel, the movies, are a little bit more serious. 
and, but also very cheeky and, and comedic and fun. DC is definitely playing catch-up. Marvel's been around for longer. They have been building this collective interwoven universe that's just unmatched. Honestly, I've seen all of the DC films too. I is actually, that like Superman and Batman? Yeah, it's okay. it's Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, which and, and is fantastic. And what's the one with the rat? Or not, not, not the one you just mentioned. There's another one with a rat. It was like a space, space rat or something. I don't fucking know. Go, go, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. You're very excited about this. Super excited. Know, but I'm excited that you're excited about learning more about DC and Marvel because all the I'm time, just trying to get a job. And <laughs> I'm just trying to get a fucking job. For that's, my- that's all. I'm just like, you know what? I've stood my ground with this long enough. I feel like it's like that I need to jump in the sh- jump in oh. because it's it's too much. There's too many opportunities out here for me to be. It's not that I don't get a job. I just don't. I'm not interested. I don't go to see them I as a film, as a fan. Know that there's roles for you All that right, are we're available. Gonna, we're gonna look into Doctor Strange. Doctor Doctor Strange two, Black Panther two is right, coming. Right. There's definitely a role. Was there any white people in Black Panther? Yeah. Yes, there were. I gotta try to yeah. find out about that. I, you can. Definitely have a role in Black Panther too. I mean, it's a, and this is all CGI heaven. It can't. Yeah, it's a all lot CGI. Of, a lot of it, but that's also what's so great about the Marvel universe is it all to me. A, the majority of the films in the Marvel universe are very grounded in human reality. Now, I'll break down the the movies that I like the most, and I I like the Thor movies, but they're not my cup of tea because it's got that like fantastic fantasy out of this world mythology immortal you know and who's the thor thor is chris hemsworth gotcha you know and and idris elba was in those films he got killed off in the last infinity war movie in the that was the last avengers movie he was killed off in the beginning so that's not a spoiler um it's the type of thing that there is room for you and also <laughs> you know just so you know and yeah. something that i didn't know which is i didn't look into any of this stuff i didn't even want to know what movies were coming but now that i've seen it i know what movies are coming but also there's going to be made for tv made for streaming right, right, right. And which they've done a little bit in the past agent carter and there was another tv show that was an abc but with the apple plus streaming coming there's yeah when is the fu- you know i was thinking about that today apple plus you know apple and mac is usually ahead of everything they're way behind on this streaming shit remember like about a month ago Five weeks ago, they had a big announcement. Where, where, where's the, where's the shit at? <laughs> Normally, they they announce and then put it out. Where's your shows at? I know, I know, it's coming in the fall. Apparently, but, but why announce it now? Like when they when they say a watch is coming, the fucking watch comes. They say the phone's coming, the phone comes. Like they don't even have a date on this shit. It's different now. Now is Samuel Jackson a part of what? Samuel Jackson is a part of the Marvel Universe. Now, he is killed at the end of Avengers Infinity War. Right. So he is not listed in the beginning of this film with all the other characters I've listed. But, you know, he was just prominently featured in Captain Marvel, the movie that just came out with Brie Larson uh, as as the star and Samuel L. Jackson is the the second and this star. was a big hit also. It was a big hit also. I'd rather watch Paint Dry. <laughs> and Samuel Jackson is one of my favorite actors. I'd rather literally sit in here, repaint the Gloom Tomb, and watch it dry than watch those fucking movies. I have it's it's like watching 
old uh, people speak Portuguese to one another. I have no idea what it is. Huh. No clue. You're missing out. I, 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 I'm just telling you. I'd literally sit in the gloom tomb and repaint it and watch the paint dry. I understand. I bet you, based on what I know about you and your sensibilities, that I could handpick which films you might actually get down with. Okay. Because it's some... I saw Black Panther. Yes. Yes. It was fine. Yeah. Black Panther... Black- it didn't... It didn't. I'm not relating to any of this. Right. And Black Panther, that's the... That film was only the second time we had seen that character in, throughout the whole thing. He was in the uh, the Civil War movie, which was one of the Captain America movies, which also was kind of like an Avengers movie because it had probably a dozen or more of characters that were in and out. They just they do a really good job of balancing out characters and and building their arcs. You know, this one is in this movie and this then he comes into this movie, but he's not in this movie. And obviously since you know behind the looking glass, you know if an actor's not in this movie it's cuz he's out filming another movie uh-huh. for this this project, uh-huh. this this Marvel, the MCU universe. So there's a lot of really good films. Some and some people have different tastes. Like for example, I love the original Captain America movie, which takes place in the 40s, has a lot of, you know, intrinsic history, and he's uh. fighting the Nazis, and, you know, the Nazis, they, they kind of pair with Hydra, which is like Marvel's version of the Nazis right, type right, of right. thing that, that, that spans multiple decades and comes into the present day in other films. So I really like that. So, But you see certain lists, and they're different. These, this is my list. These are the movies that I will watch Anytime it's on. This is Resident, I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, Avengers film critic, slash producer, slash Dust Brother, Jordan Winter's favorite Avenger films. Go ahead. Okay. And this also has to do with just the experience and how it made me feel seeing it. Because as a fan of film, I had such a blast that I'm not going to tell you which is one or two. I'm just going to say 1A, 1B. Infinity War and Endgame. Those are the latest two Avengers movies. I loved both of them. They were just so much fun, completely worth the price of admission, plus the popcorn, plus the Butterfinger, plus the soda, plus the parking. Totally worth it. Would do it again. Hopefully when I see it again, it's with a packed theater. It was just everything you could hope for and more. It's it's amazing. It's such a cinematic achievement, and people are so about this, you know, greatest of all time culture, or we may never see this again. But seriously, we may never see this again. Is that what people talk about this movie? Are they like talking about it like it's like Jordan or LeBron or Kobe? It's so amazing because people are are so invested. Right. Rap, we're talking about 22 films since- I didn't know that. 2007. Yeah, that's, I didn't know there was, I would have said six, seven. 22. And it's actually- That's big time. You forget about- a lot of the films because you kind of compartmentalize and then you know they some end up in syndication they you'll see them on tv a lot yeah. they'll run them on tnt or usa i, yeah, I flipped the fucking channel <laughs> they and, do it before basketball games i flipped the fuck i won't watch for a second and then netflix they're just loud for a while had all the movies they but they don't anymore because they pulled them because now it's going to disney plus an- right. another streaming service right. that's coming out you know so that's where it's all going down Jesus. the whole world is going to a la carte on demand same thing for the podcasting world same thing for the i'm rapport stereo Luminary. podcast we are ahead of the curve we are 
the Disney Plus. We are the Apple Plus. We are We're the, the Avengers Endgame of podcasting. Absolutely, essentially. I. That's no doubt. All right, do your list. You didn't even fu- you get you get so excited, like your face turns red. Do your fucking list. So those are my one A, one B. The Avengers. So those lived up to expectations. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely lived up to expectations. Holy shit. So much fun. And honestly, I don't think that if you saw either Infinity War or Endgame, you don't have to see any of the other movies. It's just a. a it's such a well done. Spectacle. It's honestly probably the best computer graphics I've ever seen uh, in any movie ever. Uh, I I would love to know what the budget for this film was because I think it's way more than two hundred million. It's probably in the three hundred million dollar range. It's absolutely fantastic, and you can't you can just see it and just enjoy it and be like, wow, unbelievable how far movies have come. Right, and just appreciate. And that. who's the director? The Russo brothers. Right, the Russo brothers. And they've been doing... And the movie that I talked about, the original Captain America movie, the Russo brothers directed. Right. So they've been in this for a while. They also did the Infinity War movie. Um, So let's talk about some other movies I really like. The original Avengers movie. Love that movie. And look, it's funny because that movie was on TV last night that I was watching and... It's funny, there's there's little, like, idiosyncrasies or, like, some people would say plot holes. Like, a character says something and then you remember it from this movie. Be like, oh, that doesn't exactly match up. They didn't know that they were going to be making 22 of these things. They knew. But they didn't know the, every single no, no, little detail of what it was yeah, going to yeah, be yeah, and no, how no. it could go. So you got to be able to, like, just sit back and enjoy and not uh-huh. be taking notes uh-huh. about plot holes and... Things of that nature, at least for me. I mean, look, if you're a diehard comic book, I get it. You're invested. My uncle tried to get me into comic books. I wish I would have, because I'd be like, okay, okay, give me comic books. I put it in the closet. Yeah. Wasn't my cup of tea. So I already talked about Captain America. I really liked that first one. Doctor Strange, movie that I think is a franchise. Who's in that? So that's Benedict Cumberbatch is the main character. And what is his special power? So he has- What does he do? He Is he just a weirdo? <laughs> he is a weirdo, but he's awesome. He's an awesome weirdo. Does he fly? He can fly. Yeah. Huh. So he has what's called huh. one of the to- the stones, which is called the time stone. And basically he can control time and he can do all kinds of mystical and magical things. There is a role in the original Doctor Strange movie, which I think, you know, potentially you could be in the same universe. It was given to Benjamin Bratt. He was a character that Doctor Strange uh-huh. goes and find like kind of, oh, like you were paralyzed and but you're not. Now you're playing basketball in the park uh-huh. and let me ask you something. So you could be it's based in New York. Uh-huh. So that that could you Okay, know, okay. You know, he's from New York even though he goes to Doctor like, Strange's Yeah. Not, he's from New York. He's he's a big surgeon in New York gotcha. originally. And a lot of the Avengers movies and all the Marvel movies, they take place in New York, which ends up being a, a pivotal piece in Endgame. Not, it's not spoiling oh, anything. fuck. I got to get down in one Yo, of these fucking you, things. You could just so easily get it because there's scenes that are in Central Park in, in Infinity War. Well, I'm War. not going to play a fucking Frankfurter guy. I want to be able to like be able to fly yeah, or but maybe the jump Frank- or run fast and or that, disappear. They're so smart. Be invisible you know, something. Maybe in one movie, you're, you're the Frankfurter guy, and then they're like, oh, but you got to look out because that Frankfurter guy, he becomes the 
villain yeah, in the yeah, new yeah. Spider-Man movie. Okay, so okay, just okay. Let, let it be known. All right, all right. Just put it out. I'm gonna put it out there. Yeah. I'm putting it out there. I'm making it official. I'm making it official soon. Exactly. And then another film that I really enjoyed was the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Right. And that film for me has a. Now, doesn't it have a rat in it? That's the raccoon. There's a. There's a. Is ra- Benicio del Toro played a raccoon? No, he's he's in those movies, but he's not. He's he's not a rat. He's not a raccoon or he's a, a tree. Like a bad guy or something. He is in the bad guy space. I got you. Also, Black Panther's phenomenal. I, original Iron Man, where this all started. That's with Robert Downey? That's with Robert Downey Went to Jr. sleep. I saw it at the Grove. I went to sleep. Directed by John Favreau. Went to sleep in the fucking theater. Right. Sleeping. Right. I Bye-bye. Was... <laughs> fucking nap time. Exactly. Exactly. And that's No that's, clue. That's Gwyneth Paltrow's in it? Yes. Bye-bye. All fucking went to sleep. I love them all. Bye-bye. Nap time. <laughs> Ant-Man's also fantastic. I don't fuck with ants. The sequels, you know, they're hit or miss. Like, Ant-Man 2's fun. Nah. Iron Man 2, nah, 3, you could have him on in the background. First of all, like, what is, what is he? What is he? he? He gets in a costume? Iron Man. Because I'm sitting there looking at these guys, and I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? All right, go ahead. <laughs> they're all, pretty much most of them are, I mean, they're all in costumes. All of them, it doesn't matter if they have superpowers. Some, right. some of them, the costumes give them superpowers. Others, the they're just amazing, and they wear costumes. Okay, now let me just ask you, you, you your takeaway. Yes. H- how many thumbs up do you give Avengers Endgame? How many thumbs do I get? Fuck, Jesus Christ. I don't know, you're a superpower guy. You get 12. You get you get twelve thumbs. Twelve thumbs up. Twelve thumbs up. It's beautiful across the board. And you said that people were lingering around the theater in in like they didn't leave. They didn't. No one left the theater. I mean, I, I would have said, get the fuck out, everybody. Got to go. We got another screen. We got more money to make. Get the fuck out of here, you <laughs> fucking nerd. And some theaters did that. Some theaters posted signs that say there is no end of the credit scene because that's yeah, what they'll wait like five minutes to think like another oh, it's, it's no, wait, get it's, the fuck out the movie's over man we gotta clean this it's place like up 15 minutes of credits too it's all the and people think like a pop-up thing's gonna happen yeah, yeah which they do they they've done that's, ha- the, that's historically in happened. like 95 percent of the movies there's either a mid-credit scene an ed credit scene or a mid and an ed credit scene so people are waiting they around. Have mid-credit scenes yeah in the middle of the movie in at when the movie's over They'll have the credits, and then in the middle of the credits, a, a scene will pop up. From the next movie. The next movie. And people must just lose their mind when that yeah. happens. Yeah, oh, and they go right to Twitter, and they're oh, like, Oh, my God. I didn't look at any of that. I didn't Google if there was an end scene. Okay, There was okay. a nice tribute at the end that you know had autographs of all the characters and all the actors I got and you. stuff like that, but no end of the movie scene, which is not a spoiler. All right, listen. This was a fantastic review, fantastic insight to something that I have no uh, take on, uh, but I know that I am in the minority. So this is very enlightening for me. Now, Dub, since we talk NBA all the time and uh, you give me so many hot takes and so many point of views on the NBA, let's talk about the next two game twos of the uh, round two of the NBA Finals. First... Warriors versus the Houston Rockets. Now, I have studied this in, in nauseam. Um, the big controversy after game one was whether or not James Harden was fouled. Now, I've done deep research. I fact-checked. And I'm saying deep. 
I'm talking about as deep as, as we can go. Now, I have sources, and, and I just put it out there that I do have sources. And I will say this. I was going to do a rant about James Harden and fucking Chris Paul with his fucking bullshit. And they're, they're essentially, it's a jump shot. It's not uh, a long jump. You're not jumping forward. It's not a triple jump. You're not Mike Conley Sr. Um, but I am wrong. I am wrong. The NBA and my sources have confirmed based on the tape, and I'm saying I have sources, that those three calls that uh, were controversial in the first half uh, with Klay Thompson and James Harden were, in fact, should have been called as fouls. I disagree, and I think they're going to make another amendment because if the offensive player is uh, shooting a basket and they're jumping forward and the defensive player is going towards him and they're jumping forward, they're both they're sort of meeting in the middle, um, how do you call the foul? But this is the thing I learned. A defensive player cannot interfere and can't interrupt um, and cannot be called for an offensive foul if they're going towards the rim. And that's what James Harden is essentially doing. Like, So he's taking a deep three and he's jumping forward towards the rim. Clay Thompson or the defender has to give them that space. I think that that's bullshit. I think that they're going to make a rule on another rule because James Harden is so tricky, such a master. And, and James Harden is so hard to uh, defend um, and he's so hard to officiate because he does all this cagey shit. He's that old guy in the gym who's slow, who's got all the tricks, who's got all the moves, who will frustrate you, who will bust your ass. He's that guy at 20-whatever years old he is now. That motherfucker's going to be doing this shit until he's 40. And he's learning tricks from Chris Paul, who's also phenomenal at doing that. Yeah. He... Both of them are so good at knowing where the defender's arms are, where their hands are, where the space is. All of is. it. And playing with it and complaining and whether you like it or not. Like, listen, it's the playoffs. I don't like it. I don't like the flopping. I don't like uh, uh, the games, especially game one, like arguing about the calls and then manipulating afterwards. Just I just want a fair shot to win the game. I don't like any of that. I also want the Warriors to win so that my preference is for the Warriors. But I just, all this shit, like, and it becomes a two-day discussion. Was it a foul? Not a foul. The NBA comes out and said it wasn't a foul. But then I know for a fact that that's not the truth. And blah, 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 blah. So aside from the foul stuff, uh, what was your assessment of game one uh, heading into game two of the Warriors versus the Rockets, Dub? So the thing about the Rockets is they just shoot so many three-pointers. Every game, they're shoot, they're trying to shoot over sixty three pointers on average. That's what they want to do. They want to they want to push the pace. And there are so many different players on that team that are just going to be launching from different places. People who watch the games and love the Rockets, love the Rockets versus Warriors, never talk about Eric Gordon. Yeah, Eric Gordon is launching from everywhere and he did not have a good game and especially on the first half i think he was 0 for 7 from three-point range he finished with uh i think four for 13 from three-point range and the thing that really struck me was that you know the the warriors played great in the first half kevin durant was phenomenal steph was off and kind of like in the sides clay thompson a little bit draymond was great in the he first he was great half. Draymond is the key. I mean, he's not the best player, but that that energy and that triple-double, that 10, 12, and 11, 
It's monstrous. And, you know, when he's making a step back fadeaway uh, long twos in the first half, it was like within the first 10 points, you're like, okay, Draymond is locked in. His energy. And starting Igudala was was a great idea by Kerr. I mean, because he really brings stability to that. You know, but the thing that really struck me was that the Warriors completely outplayed the Rockets and it was tied at half. So many, so many turnovers. It's there's no way they they won't win this series if they don't they don't pull that back. Absolutely. Too many fucking turnovers. And again, you hear it in my voice. You guys know I want the Warriors to win this series. So yes, you are hearing a preferential treatment. I'm not fucking this ain't ESPN, this ain't NBA today. It's better. I'm I, I want the Warriors to win. I, I am saying that, but I also want a great series. And the, the Rockets ain't going nowhere. No, they never say die. They, they ain't going anywhere. Right, and the lineups that the Warriors are playing really does play to the strength of the Rockets because they're not going to take out Clint Capella. They want Capella in there, and they want him to be available to get those lobs from James Harden. Yeah. And other than Kevin Durant... There's no one in that core starting five that could even get up high enough yeah. at the apex of Clint Capella. And also something that needs to be monitored throughout this this series. And yeah, sure, Clay and, and Steph, they looked like themselves, even though we were a little concerned about their uh, injury status heading into the game angles. one. Their rotation is probably the thinnest that we've seen in this run of the last few years of the Warriors I think Jonas in in certain games Jonas Jarebko maybe not in this series he'll come into play and if I was if I was Steve Kerr I'd let Jonas remember when we really fell in love with Jonas when he was with the Celtics yes and he was fucking knocking people around Steve Kerr needs to have him go, go out there and do a little bit of that and he could do some dirty Draymond type of shit he's nowhere near Draymond but Jonas can make he's got great floating uh jump hooks and he'll fucking he's scrappy Friend Jurepko. of the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. And he's Swedish. And he has experience playing against the Rockets in the playoffs when he was on the Jazz last and year. And he likes to bang. He's tough and scrappy, and he'll do dirty shit. Um, and he could give you five hard fouls. Not to say he's a game changer, but just like Shumpert. And I said it. I fucking said it, and no one listened to me. And yes, Austin Rivers was hurt. I mean, he was sick. But Iman Shumpert, again, he's not going to stop Steph Curry. He's not going to stop Klay Thompson. But he's a good defender. That's all they need for him. And that's all, the only reason why Iman Shumpert got uh, uh, got picked up by the fucking Rockets was for this series. Because he, he does a formidable job. He's long. He's tall. And at this point, that's the only thing he has to do is give six minutes here, five minutes there, three minutes there on those guys. And this Rockets team should be the team that we're rooting for because they're very disruptive. They are disruptive. And they get under your skin. Yes. And they get in your head. Yes. I mean... But I, I'm not with that kicking and flopping no. and long jumps. But you know who, every time I see him play, I'm so impressed by you know how much he's able to do with his limited skill set is P.J. Tucker. Yeah. The amount of offensive rebounds that this guy gets in traffic in big games yeah. is phenomenal. And he's, he's there on the corner threes. He's constantly guarding the best yeah. defender. Uh, speaking of defense, you know, because he guards Kevin Durant. Yeah. But we see Kevin Durant guarding James Harden. Yes. Like, this is 
this series, and if there was anyone, and I know that there are fans out there who believe that the NBA should do away with the conferences and the playoffs and allow it to be the one through the 16 seeding, this is the type of series where that could be an example. Because I truly wish that, and especially whether you're a, a diehard fan or a casual fan, you watch the Rockets versus the Warriors, and you think, wow, this looks like the NBA Finals. Yes. This is what the NBA Finals should be. So far. Yes. I will also say this. Kevin Durant, this is the first time, I believe this all year, he's leaving the Warriors win, lose, or draw. And the reason why I say that is because he's playing so well and he's so focused that if they win, great. If they don't win, he's like, it ain't on me. He's unbelievable. He, he's playing the best he's ever played defensively and offensively. And offensively, he's so confident. And we're talking about years and years and years of being confident. But it's like he truly is like in a in a place where he's like, I could score when I want to score. I'm scoring 30 plus, 40 on your ass. And if we do lose, you ain't going to be able to blame me. Like he, I, I'm telling you, I think something clicked in his head like after that uh, you know who I am, I'm Kevin Durant. After that game with the Clippers, he's like, if we lose, you're not pointing fingers. There's no cupcakes. You could say what you want, but the stats will prove because I'm not coming back. If we win, terrific. We won three in a row. If we lose, I average 40, suck my dick. He's He's gone. I love everything about what Kevin Durant is doing, has been doing. He clicked into another gear after another that gear. Patrick Beverly situation. And I think for himself, like I think truly it's like, bye-bye. I'm out of here, assholes. And he can do whatever he wants. He, it is such a joy and a privilege to watch Kevin Durant play basketball. He's stupid. And anyone who is against Kevin Durant. Oh, with your snow, with your cupcakes and all that. Move forward. You have had some of the best tweets of the playoffs about Kevin Durant, that he's the best player in the world. He is the best player Period. in the world. If you don't like Kevin Durant, you don't like yourself. If you don't like Kevin Durant, you don't like yourself. Now, Boston versus Milwaukee. Milwaukee came out with a flurry in the beginning, and then Boston fucked them. Right. Um, and, you know, everybody's like, oh, that series is over. Paul Pierce says it's over. The great Paul Pierce. I knew he was going to say that. Too. He's so his, his takes, I like Paul Pierce. He doesn't give a fuck. His takes are way out there. Um, but w what did you get from that uh, That first? It's one game. Right. By the time this podcast goes, it'll still be one game of that series. You know, and it's tough to make that type of prediction, especially the fact that both of those teams were off for six days because they both made mincemeat of their competition. Yes. Indiana and Detroit. Bye-bye. With this matchup, and it was also it was an early start. Yes, it, it was really early for a playoff. Let these guys rest. Golden State had fucking twenty four hours to rest. Right, it's thirty six hours to rest. It's just jamming into prime time. I mean, basically that Boston Milwaukee series was at noon. Central. It was one o'clock. It was well, it was one o'clock Eastern, but they played in a Milwaukee. Right, so that's Central time. So it was noon in Milwaukee. Yeah, let people get their fucking brunch. People in Milwaukee like bagel, cream cheese, and lots. Right. Let these fucking people finish their brunch. Right. And I was up watching that game, very excited, because my thought process going into this series, and I do not like the Boston Celtics. For you guys out there who don't know, I'm a New York Knicks fan, born and raised New York Knicks fan, and obviously Boston in the same division as the Knicks never enjoy their success. And, you know... Going into this season, everyone felt like 
Boston should be the favorites in the East. They have the talent, they have the ability, and you know they were really hot and cold this year. Yes. throughout the whole season, mostly Kyrie was hot and cold, and obviously Gordon Hayward coming back off of that gruesome uh, AK injury. Gordon with the good hair. Gordon with the good hair, as you coined. And, you know, the thing about the first game and the demolition of the Milwaukee Bucks, which I think they have to go back to the drawing board with their rotation, because I I thought that Milwaukee was just going to goon the Boston Celtics, especially with Marcus Smart most likely not playing in this series. You just got to goon that team. And the goons got gooned. And I said this earlier in the year, and then I, I stepped away from it. Giannis looked very regular in that game because without, you know, that fucking Tasmanian devil in the open court uh, uh, shit going on where he's at his very best, when it's time to do um, skill-based moves uh, where you need more counters and and um, it's not just like physical domination, he looks, I'm going to say, regular. Al Horford, and it's just one game. But that game, he looked regular. I don't know what his stats were, but he wasn't getting any of that slashing to the basket. There was no open court running, dunking, cutting, slashing, running away from the basket, dunking with like all that crazy shit. And this was the thing that I saw earlier in the year. I was like, this guy needs a skill set, a skill set to go get a basket other than just being fucking freaky athletic. And that flurry that you talked about in the first half of the game, the 14-0 run, happened by Milwaukee with Giannis on the bench. Right. And that was, you know, aggression by George Hill and, you know, bringing in uh, Nikola Meritic, who you don't even recognize because he doesn't have the beard. Right. (laughs) He's just bombing threes. But those are the type of guys that they're going to need to have big series. And you look up and down the Milwaukee Bucks roster, there's really not a ton of playoff experience. And the Bucks. They steamrolled through the regular season this year, and there were some amazing games and and some tight games that they had to step up, and they were fantastic, but this is a seven-game series, and you're going against a team and a coach that's going to throw the kitchen sink at you. Yeah, They've got a lot of length and a lot of talent, and they were just double-teaming Giannis nonstop. I mean, you know, Marcus Morris Sr., I say that because that's what's on his jersey, and Jalen Brown getting the minutes, Jason Tatum. They're coming at you. They're going to let Aaron Baines come give you five, six hard ones. Yes. You know, it's the type of thing that Boston is not going to back down at all. And the thing that really struck me in game one was that every basket that Milwaukee made was difficult and every basket that Boston made looked easy. Yep. What is your prediction on the other series? We have Philly versus Toronto. We have uh, the Blazers versus Denver. Give me your prediction on who's going to win. Who gives a fucking how many games? Okay. I think that the Blazers will beat the Nuggets, and I think the Raptors will beat the Sixers. Do you want to say how many games? It's hard, but... It's so hard to say. I would feel confident that both of those series will be over in six. Um, I got to tell you something. The fucking Raptors, when Kawhi Leonard is like fully engaged, this isn't like some fucking like hot take, but when Kawhi Leonard is fully engaged and Pascal Siakam, friend of the Iron Rapport story, remember last summer... We had Pascal Siakam on, and everyone was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> well, now you know who the fuck he is. I'm so happy at how good he's become and how 
beloved he is in Toronto. And people are starting to see around the league just how good that guy is. And whatever happens with Kawhi over the summer as a free agent, I mean, Toronto is so lucky to have Pascal Siakam. He is phenomenal. And and what's your prediction based on everything we know right now? Who's going to make it to the NBA Finals? Dub. My fandom thinks it's going to end up being the Golden State Warriors versus the Toronto Raptors. Wow. Yo, that's If that happens, the Warriors are going to have to really, really outdo themselves. Because Kawhi Leonard is a motherfucker, and that team is longer than the Warriors. They're right. tall. I do think that they have to work Jeremy Lin into the rotation. I'm not sure why he's been buried. And you could say, oh, this, that, and the third. But, I mean, Jody Meeks is getting time for the Raptors. I don't understand why Jeremy Lin isn't getting time. But my fear is that it's going to end up being the Golden State Warriors versus the Boston Celtics. I do not want to see that. And the Celtics are just looking... Like they're clicking at the right time. If they get Marcus Smart back too, that team's just really deep and really good. But I, why well, you think they could beat the Warriors? I don't think that they could beat the Warriors, but I think that if there's any team from the East that the Warriors don't want to see, it's the Boston Celtics. They've said that they said when they played this season. Kyrie, he loves to fucking go at the the Warriors. Loves to go at the Warriors, and they've got guys on that team who've. You know, they've got the Mamba mentality. They've got, they want the big moment. And it's, it seems like so long ago, but the Celtics were in a game seven against the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals just last year. They're fucking good. And, and I, listen, I'm rocking with the Warriors all the way through. I want them to win. Those are my guys. That's my adopted team. Yes, I'm a New York Knicks fan. What am I supposed to do? Right. Am I supposed to sit here and watch old tapes of the Knicks from 1987? <laughs> is that what you want me to do? We had to... In- is, that, is that what I'm supposed to do? Sit here and watch old Latrell Sprewell games? Sit here and watch when, when Bernard King scored 60? I can't do that. Or when Carmelo Anthony got blocked at the rim by Roy Hibbert. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm a basketball fan. That's my adopted team. It's always been my adopted team, and that's what I'm doing. I need to be emotionally involved. Okay. You don't like it? I don't know what people want me to do. That's what I'm doing. Um, Dub, what a pleasure. Um, what a pleasure. Um, I'll wrap this up. Um, banging Big Body I Am Rap for Stereo Podcast. Um, Miles, you're not here, so please uh, take us out of here with something real nice, uh, something real proper, and most importantly, something real funky. That's it.